Radio. Commandments, Key to Relationship. A talk by Professor Drake McAllister at the Immaculata Mission School 2013, held at St. Thomas Beckett Parish in Lewisham, Sydney. All right, and tonight, tonight was short and sweet. That's the one I was thinking of. Romans 13, 10, another 13, just to help you out. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Romans 13, 10. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Let's say it together. Romans 13, 10. Love is the fulfilling of the law. One more time. Love is the fulfilling of the law. All right. So, how many of you as kids loved to do chores at home growing up? There's always one in every crowd. Oh, two, three. Okay, four. Wow. And five. Really? What, what was your favorite chore? Okay, yours was dishes, and, but what was your favorite chore? What, what? Hanging up the laundry, meaning you didn't throw it in the dryer? We find that quite strange in America. All, everybody has gotten rid of their clotheslines, but this week we've been able to have the joy of using a clothesline again. And your clothes feel definitely different on a clothesline versus a dryer. So you liked hanging up the laundry, and you liked doing the dishes. Is there another favorite chore? Who else? Vacuuming. That's kind of a power, power tool. And then if the cat's nearby and you see the tail, kittens are God's creatures, and they get a lot of mileage on YouTube, so be nice to kittens. All right. So... It was clear that the vast majority of us did not love chores at home. Maybe you didn't even have chores at home. I don't know. Um, But we probably also can think of our favorite rules that we didn't like when we were kids. Or maybe your favorite rules that you don't like right now. Maybe you're sitting there sometime this morning thinking, silent day is the stupidest idea ever. But we can probably think of a lot of rules that, that we don't like. I had a friend years back when I lived in Washington that uh, with his children, here's what he would teach them. He would say chores in the house. Do you call them chores here? Yeah, does that, that translate? Um, chores in the house are a distinctive feature of family. And he would tell them, Chores are a privilege that you get to help out around the house. And uh, now, kids, kids never buy these things when parents tell them these things, right? You know, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You're just trying to get me to do chores. So this particular child decided to be obstinate, not listen to mom and dad, not follow through on all kinds of things. And um, there was a lot, lots of drama going on. And it finally got to such a point that dad, because he wouldn't participate in anything, took his stuff, sleeping bag and pillow, threw it in the front yard and said, you're not going to participate as a part of the family? You don't get the blessings of being in the family. And when you want to do your chores, you can be back in the family. So he's out there. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay out here. And it starts getting cold. It started to rain. And then later sometime that evening, he's pounding on the front door. I want my chores back. I want my chores back. 
And he got them back. And uh, my friend would, would, uh, would make the case to say that chores are a privilege in the family. We don't make guests do chores, right? So when you invite people to your house, you don't invite them over an hour early so they can vacuum and dust and, <laughs> and do all those things. They would never come back. All the kids and mom and dad, they all get everything together to get ready to receive the guests. And that really stuck in my mind. And so I've used this, that poor line in my children for years now. The chores are a privilege. And they hate that line. Uh, I guarantee you they will use it on their children. I guarantee it. Payback is a virtue. But no, no, I don't think so. Um, um, God's commands are much like this. His commandments are much like this. They are for family. They are gifts to you. They are privileges to you because you are family. You are on the inside. And, and here's what I want to plant a seed tonight in your, in your heart is God's commandments presume relationship. God's commandments presume relationship. Just like running the vacuum before guests come, I'm going to ask my children, I'm not going to ask a stranger to do. The fact that I can instruct them presumes relationship. And then along with the host of other things, I don't go around the neighborhood instructing other parents how to take care of their children. Although occasionally, the thought crosses my mind. But I don't have the relationship necessary to go and change their behavior. God's commandments presuppose relationship. His commandments presuppose relationship. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew. We've spent a lot of time in Matthew. Can't go wrong with the Gospel of Matthew. It's packed. Matthew 22. Now, the reason why I want to make sure that this gets in our heart and our minds, that God's, com God's commands presuppose relationship is this. Many times people process Jesus Christ, Christianity, the Catholic faith as a system of do's and don'ts. I can do this. I can't do that. Evidenced by Madison, you know, the, the asking uh, her, her you know, friends at school asking about, uh, you know, what can Catholics do? What are Christians like? And, and to be sure, there are things to do and there are things to not do. I mean, that's fair enough. But the do's and don'ts always come secondary to relationship. Secondary to relationship. So earlier today when I told the story about my speech class, you know, Christianity, relationship, not religion, I, I had the relationship part right. I just had the, the rest of the structure organized part incorrect. Because when you, if you try to follow Jesus Christ without relationship, Here's what you end up in, legalism. 
Legalism is really good at getting stuff done. Do this, don't do that. Irrespective of relationship. And, and there's a value in doing the right thing. If you're on the street, whether you love the government or not, it's best that you drive on the proper side of the road. And it's best if you don't live in this country to not drive, or else it's really confusing. But the commands, God's commands, presuppose relationship, and his desire for us to follow them always come after the invitation into relationship with him. Uh, the, the next and last talk that I'll be giving will be about the sacraments and life in Christ and bringing to life this faith in Christ. So if we skip this relational piece, you will end up just in legalism, do's and don'ts. All right, so Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Or, yeah, we'll back up to 34, 34 through 40. All right. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, so this is Jesus is talking about. He had, he had uh, been in a verbal dialogue with the Sadducees, and he uh, had silenced them. He had answered their questions. They came together. And one of them, a Pharisee, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All the law and the prophets. So Jesus unpacks for us the two greatest commandments. If there's, and he's telling us, if there's anything to remember from the entire book, remember these two things. Love God with everything, heart, soul, and mind. And love our neighbor as ourself. Why are these two the greatest? To honor God... To honor God, the first commandment, uh, I'm just going to put down here Romans 1, Romans chapter 1, on uh, honoring and being thankful. Paul is really interesting on the necessity to honor God and be thankful to God. And if we skip that step, relationship with God is impossible. So why love God? Heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because God is the author of everything. Without God, I am not here. Without God, you are not here. And I just mean physically, literally. He brings us into existence in physical life and then regenerates us in spiritual life. So we love and honor God as the first of all first principles. And then why love neighbor? Well, without each other, we wouldn't be here. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself into this world, right? This took mom and dad. I actually didn't get to ask whether or not I wanted to come. I just came. And now life is given to me to live and to steward. We must have each other. We can't just live solo, isolated. Now I want to give you 
under the second commandment, I want to give you uh, one, more, one more scripture here. So under this is love God and then love neighbor, uh, Matthew 7, 12. You can turn there if you want, but it's just one verse. So the second commandment is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, so usually people try and you know, think through this. Okay, what does this mean to love my neighbor as myself? Because this, uh, uh, many times in our world today, we get, love gets thrown around a lot, right? We got to love one another, love one another, love people. I love you. I love pizza. Uh, we use it for everything. But what does it mean to love others as Christ intends? So, if we want to love our neighbors ourselves if we're thinking well let's let me read Matthew 7:12 and then we'll continue so Matthew 7:12 says whatever you wish that men do to you do so to them whatever you wish that men do to you do so to them so a little more clarification though needs to needs to enter in to understand what does this what are we doing for others so Let's say, you know, early on the first night I showed you my Land Rover and I went and bought Land Rover parts. And so, uh, whatever I wish men would do to me, do so to them, Matthew seven twelve. So, I've got Land Rover parts for all of you tonight. And you can take them home and have fun with them, right? No, you're thinking that would be the lamest gift ever. Uh, I, I don't want that. Um, you know, or maybe uh, you love to play video games. Where's Call of Duty guy? Where's Call of Duty? Yes, call, a whole bunch of Call of Duty guys. So, you know, if you buy Call of Duty for your girlfriend, that may not, I don't know, she might like it. She likes it? That's a keeper. All right. Um, I don't buy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy a video game for my wife. She would be like, okay, you were serious last minute shopping. Um, to do for others what we want done for ourselves doesn't mean that whatever we like, then we do for them. I like pizza, I like salsa, I like this, then I'm going to get that for people. It's not talking about physical material things. It's talking about fundamental principles. If I want to be respected, I show respect. If I want to be valued, I value others. As Madison shared in her testimony, Jesus said, Love your enemies. If I want to be loved, and if I want to be given a second chance, then I must give others a second chance. It is absolutely the pinnacle of hypocrisy to demand others do what I will not do myself. So love your neighbor as yourself. Do to others what you would have them do to you. And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack these two greatest commandments in light of the Ten Commandments and see how just living these two, if you just focus on these two, you will, as our scripture said that went away, 1310, Romans, will fulfill the entire law. So, how many have heard of the golden rule? Does that phrase get said down here, the golden rule? All right, what's, what's the golden rule? Anybody? All right, do unto others what you would have them do to you. So, that's, that's what we're talking about, right? Matthew, golden rule right from Scripture. All right, now, 
What a lot of people live by is not the golden rule, but the silver rule. Now, this is an actual something. The silver rule, and the silver rule is not bad, but it stops short of the golden rule, of, of, of uh, the greatest commandment here. The silver rule is don't do to others what you don't want done to you. So that's good. So if I don't want to be hit, I'm not going to hit people. So that's, that's a good principle, right? If I don't want to have my car wrecked, I'm not going to go wreck other people's cars. So don't do to others what you don't want done to you. But that's the silver rule. I mean, it's not bad, but it's kind of a live and let live, right? It's just I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone, and it's all good. Jesus, with the second greatest commandment, saying do for others what you want done for you. Do for others. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is why this second law of love is so radical. It is proactive. Proactive, meaning you're, it's not just silver rule, live and let live. Listen, I'll just leave you alone, you leave me alone. This is, oh, I see my sister's cup is empty. She needs more coffee or tea or something. And I go, fill it. It's, this lady's carrying a bunch of bags, and she's walking to a door. I'm going to go open that door. Somebody's sitting all alone as they're eating lunch. I'm going to go sit with them, maybe have a conversation. What if they say no way? Then you you go find somebody else who's alone. (laughs) It's proactive. This is the love that changed the world. This is the love that changed the world. It's not a live and let live love. It is a how can I live this love for others. In the, the testimony that we heard brief, or, well, I only heard briefly in, uh, during uh, silence, during lunch and afterwards, I only caught one little bit, but where she's talking about the, I guess, her jailer who had killed her friend, whatnot, and he finally comes to the end because she has forgiven him. And he says, tell me about Jesus. I don't know what's going on in you, lady, but whatever you got, it's something I have no idea about because I've tried everything, and you still choose to love. Love God with everything. Love our neighbor as ourself. A few years ago, I feel, I feel obliged to do this since I told my wife standing on the bed cockroach story this morning. Uh, I feel like I should vindicate my wife with a more positive story. Uh, a few years ago, my wife was working for the Census Bureau for, for um, our, our government. We do a census every 10 years. And uh, so she was working for the Census Bureau uh, when we lived in Seattle. And uh, the place she worked, uh, there was a gal who, um, and the census, without telling the whole thing, the Census Bureau, everybody's temporary employees. Everybody gets hired briefly to run the census for that year, then they all get let go. And so various people get hired quick. They, they accelerate quickly and to places of position. So there's a lot of potential tensions in relationships because they're not, you're not there for the long term. Anyway, so my wife would come home and tell me this story about this lady. We're going to call her Joy, just so you'll have happy thoughts about her. Um, and she would tell me stories about Joy and how she, everybody feared Joy. They loathed her because when she came through 
I mean, she was just a bull in a china shop. Get out of my way. I'm here. I'm going to do my thing. If you got the photocopier, here comes Joy. It's like, oh, stepping out of the way. You get the buttons. It's all yours. Because she had attitude. She was angry. She was upset. She ran the stock room, the supply room for sticky notes and pins and pencils and things. And so if you came and said, hey, I need a box of pins, it was like, oh. Hold on. Uh, and like, it's her job. She's making you feel like you totally put her out. She hands you a box of pins. You sign out for it. And, um, and so she would regularly come home with stories just about how unhappy this woman was and how unhappy she made everybody. So in, in Seattle, where we live, there's, uh, they grow lots of tulips. In fact, it's one of the two places in the world where all the tulips come from. So when it's tulip season, there are fields and fields of rolling tulips, pink and orange, and blue. It's beautiful. We go up there, and we take pictures of the family. So we were going up for our annual tulip visit, and on the way up, I said, you know what? Maybe we ought to just get some flowers for Joy, and just maybe, maybe she'd like them. And uh, uh, so we went to the tulips, got some flowers, came back. Crystal went to work the next day, took the flowers in, and it wasn't a big production, it wasn't a big thing. She just went and said, hey, Joy, I just, we had the tulips yesterday, I was thinking about you, I got you these. That was it, handed her the flowers, done. What happened next, my wife was not prepared for, and I was not prepared for when my wife came and told me. She said, Drake, I don't know what happened, but that one offering of flowers transformed this woman. She has now become my best friend. <laughs> she didn't necessarily change to everybody else, but in relation to my wife, she literally transformed. She was no longer the angry, impatient, got a chip on my shoulder. And all it took was one little, you know, $8 bundle of flowers. It was crazy. And, and the one day she came by my wife's desk, and, and uh, you know, they had some new sticky notes, and she's like, Psst, we just got some new Census 2000 sticky notes, and I wanted to make sure you got them first because we have a limited, limited edition. And she's like, thanks. <laughs> so now not only is she not put out when she gets supplies, she's getting extra ones. And it doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes you do. You sit down next to someone and they say, take a hike. And say, okay, take a hike. Uh, proactive love changes the world. Reactive love is okay too. But proactive love is what radically changes the world. Romans 13.10, love is fulfilling Love is the fulfilling of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Let's say it again together. Romans 13, 10. Love is the fulfilling of the law. One more time. Love is the fulfilling of the law. All right. Now, don't worry. We're not going to be going deep and long on all these commandments. But what I want to do is I want to I unpack uh, two fundamental principles and then spend a significant time on one commandment. So here's the Ten Commandments, right? We've seen these, we've heard of these. These come from Exodus chapter 20. So, so the Ten Commandments, 
Exodus 20. And then if you want to cross-reference, Deuteronomy chapter 5. So we, the, the commandments are given in two places. Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. So we have the Ten Commandments. I'm the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Now, the Ten Commandments are naturally broken up into two sections. And you can see it pretty easily. And it, and it follows the two greatest commandments. The first three commandments are all about God, right? No strange gods, Lord's name in vain, and Lord's day is holy. So the first three commandments follow, love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The rest of the seven commandments, from honor your father on down, are our relationship with us. So love your neighbor as yourself. And as you see a lot of things in Jesus' ministry, it's not that he invented it for the first time, like, oh, wow, we never thought about that. Virtually everything he talks about is present in the Old Testament. He makes them more clear. So I want to do just a quick overview on, I'm going to start with the, the second set, love your neighbor as yourself, then I want to go to the first set on loving God. So we take a look at the love your neighbor as yourself, and I don't know if you've taken time to reflect on the commandments, but they follow a natural order. The first three order dealing with God are the most important. We'll get to those in a moment. So the first three with God go in an order, most, second, third, important. And then when we get to our relationship with each other, I assert to you that they go in order of importance. So, but you might think, well, wait a minute, shouldn't, I think death should be probably number one on the list, right? I mean, don't kill people. Um, but look at this. Honor your father and your mother. Ten Commandments. I'm, I'm going to read from Exodus. Get back there. So here's what, on, here's what verse 12 in Exodus chapter 20 says about mom and dad. Honor your father and your mother that the days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. In Deuteronomy, it says a similar thing, that you will live a long and prosperous life. Long and prosperous life. Ephesians 6.2, Paul tells us, again, Ephesians 6.2, he tells us, honor your father and mother, it's the first commandment with a promise. So I assert to you, this is the most important because, again, you aren't here if it wasn't for mom and dad. You are not here if it's not for mom and dad. Your dad may have left your mom. Your mom may be a single mom. You may have had bad parents. You may have had great parents. You may, it, I don't know what your parents are like. The truth is you are here because of them. Thanks be to God. And they deserve honor as your parents. And you will be blessed to honor them. So I assert you see this as the greatest commandment. You honor mom and dad first. Why? Because it is because of them that you are here. 
They gave you life. Second of the next most important, don't kill. Why? Because since you've been given life, you shouldn't be taking the lives of others as well. Sixth commandment, do not commit adultery. The parents, they gave you life. Therefore, you shouldn't be taking the life of others. Even committing adultery, you might be bringing life into the world in a way that is not proper to care for life. And you're violating your marriage covenant. And then it goes on. You shall not steal. Now we're getting into people's goods. Don't take what isn't yours. Don't bear false witness. Now we're getting into character. Don't lie and misrepresent yourself. Don't cover your neighbor's wife. Again, getting into uh, issues of lust and morality, sexuality. And then 10, don't cover your neighbor's goods. Be content with what we have. Not always looking towards the other and wishing I had more or I had what they had. So I would assert that these go in order And when we love our neighbor as ourselves, when we are proactive with love, you will automatically fulfill every one of these requirements. So clearly, I'm not going to kill others if I don't want to be killed. And this includes what? Abortion. If I want to live, why would I take the life and kill a baby in the womb? If you leave that life alone, nothing will impede it from becoming just as you are now. And those that try and say, well, it's not viable, it's not blah, blah, blah. None of that that, that, uh, makes any sense. Left unto itself, it will become what God has intended it. Committing adultery. If I don't want to be cheated on, then I'm not cheating on others. I am loving my wife. And that relates to all... The, uh, the sexual sins that are available to us today. If you're not married and you're experimenting sexually before marriage, you're, you're spending time with somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband. It's like premarital adultery. When we love others, you will naturally fulfill these commandments. When you are proactive, giving yourself for others. All right, we don't have time to go through them all. I want to jump to the first three. I would assert to you that these go, again, in order. Love the Lord your God. You shall have, or I'm the Lord your God. No strange gods before me. Why? You put God first because you aren't here without him. No strange gods before Do not take the name of the Lord in vain. This is an important one. Think about swear words. I don't know what swear words are like here in Sydney, um, and you don't need to recount them for me, just in case. Um, But uh, uh, Jesus is a statement of, I mean, that's a one-word prayer right there. But he, in movies and music and pop culture, he gets used as a swear word. Uh, What are other swear words? Think about like hell and damn and God. Um, these are all sacred things that mean something that our world has managed to take them from being statements of faith and or blessings to be curses. And they have profaned the holy. We're not to take God's name in vain because his name represents who he is. I am. I exist. From the beginning of time to the end of time. 
And if you find yourself struggling with taking the Lord's name in vain, I urge you, I beg you to stop and confess it. Because we don't want to mess with the Lord's name. The third one, and this one I want to spend a little more time on. Remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Remember to keep holy the Lord's day. All right, look on Exodus 20. You've got your Bible there. Uh, I want to read this one. Verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, your son or daughter or manservant or maidservant or your cattle or the sojourner who is with you in your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day before the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. In Deuteronomy 5, it'll add to it, you take one day off a week because you were slaves in Egypt, and I rescued you from slavery. God invites us to take a Sabbath rest for a number of reasons. And the one I want to highlight is, he gives us a Sabbath rest for us to reflect and to remember the slavery we were once in. Not only the slaves in Egypt for the Jewish people, but for you and I, slaves to sin. He invites us to be transformed by the gospel and to take a day of rest. And now we see today under the Christian covenant that our Sabbath day is Sunday. That was today, right? which is part of the reason why today was a day of silence. It was a day of of rest. Now, the sisters aren't thinking you have to go home and have a day of silence every Sunday, Um, but uh, you'd sure be welcome to. But that the Lord's day is a day to be revered, a day to be hallowed, a day to be set aside. It shouldn't be a day like every other day. The Lord's day should be a day that We refrain from usual activities. So in my home, we try to, and most of the time we succeed, we try to not go out to eat on Sunday because this is a Lord's Day. So why would I not go out to eat on a Sunday? This goes back to the principle of love your neighbor, right? Again, you do these two, love God, love your neighbor, you fulfill it all. If I am loving my neighbor, I I wouldn't want you, wonderful people, to have to serve me a cheeseburger at Macca's. Right? And if I go on a Sunday, I am necessitating that somebody be there at that place to give me something I don't need, a cheeseburger. I definitely don't need it. It's just a pure luxury. It's a want. It's not a need. So we choose to not go do those things so that we're not forcing other people to also need to do those things. Now, is it a sin to go get a hamburger? No, I wouldn't say it's a sin. But due to the character of the day, the scriptures invite us and the church invites us to make it a day that is set aside. I know many people, I think the sisters, they don't go shopping on this day. They don't go to the stores. They make it a day that is set aside. And along with this, that you and I are invited to go to Mass. More than invited, if you are a Catholic, you are, we say, obliged to go to Mass. Okay, how many have heard this before? You're supposed to go to Mass on Sundays. And not just like supposed to, but like it's a sin if you don't. You've heard that? Okay. So 
Sometimes this is another one of those things like, what, the Sunday obligation? You crazy Catholics. Uh, like it's a sin if you don't go to church. Oh, my goodness. You guys are all legalism. Uh, so I would like to reform maybe how you think of it, but you probably already think of this, so maybe you can use this when you talk to others. Just because it's an obligation doesn't make it bad, or just because it's an obligation doesn't make it life less. And here's my example. I have my wonderful wife. I'm obliged tonight when we're done to not ask one of the lovely ladies here out for a date because I'm married. I'm obliged to not uh, yeah, see other women because I'm married. My marriage means something. I'm obliged to my wife. I should come home to our little room tonight because I'm obliged. So that is all true. But because I'm obliged is not why I come home. I come home because I love my wife. Just because it's an obligation doesn't make a life less. It makes it life giving. So yeah, you're supposed to be at Mass on Sunday. Why? Because you get seven days a week. 24 hours a day, right? You get six 24-hour days. You get one day with 23 hours. And Jesus just says, just give me one hour. And if you're too lazy to give me that, then yeah, that's a sin. Now, just to qualify, your car breaks down on the way to church, you can't get to church. Your car broke down. You're sick and lying in bed, you can't get to church. Fine, you're sick in bed. The, the, the obligation is not intended to legally bind you in some, I've got to get to Mass or else I'm going to hell. It's, 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 the obligation is intended to be directed towards the person that says, yeah, I can go to Mass. I'm just going to stay home and watch, watch, not football. Wait, no, what, rugby? What, but yeah, don't you have another name for rugby or is it just rugby? Footy, footies, footies. Yeah, that's still weird to me because <laughs> footies are those jammies that go to your feet in America. Like that my two-year-old wears, you know, goes all the way head to toe. That's footies. And so I imagine all these grown men in these jammies and like, that's weird. Onesies? Yeah, kids, onesies here. Uh, <laughs> all right, where was I? I got sidetracked thinking grown men in onesies. Um, okay, send the obligation. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so... Uh, so the obligation is targeted, it's, it's, it's designed to get those that are willfully choosing, no, Lord, I'm not going to go worship today. I'm going to stay home. This is why I started with the beginning. The commandments presuppose relationship. Relationship. Romans 13.10. Love is fulfilling of the law. All right, let's close with this. Corinthians 13. Everybody knows Corinthians 13. And if you don't, then I will introduce it to you. This is a chapter which outlines for us proactive love. Let's read through it. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So Paul's just, and this is in the context of gifts. Here he's saying, listen, you could be the greatest charismatic ever. If you're not loving you are a distraction. The gift should never be something done out of love. 
Verse 2, and if I have prophetic powers and can understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. He's saying you could be the best prophet. You could understand the Christian faith so well that you could teach the Pope. But if you're just running around going, you know what, you got to hear what I've got, and how come you're doing this and that, and, and you're not loving, it's, it's not helping. I am nothing, it says. Verse 3, if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, being a martyr, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now here it is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How are you loving? Are you patient, kind? Are you rude? Do you insist on your own way? Do you rejoice at wrong? Verse 8, love never ends. Prophecies, they'll pass away. Tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away too. For our knowledge is imperfect. And it goes on and on. I want to jump down here to the end. Verse 13. says, so faith, hope, love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And Paul is telling us, Faith and hope, those are going to disappear. All the gifts, all these things God gives us now, those will go away. When you are in heaven, you don't, do not need faith. You're there. When you're in heaven, you don't need hope, because what is hope? Primarily the confident expectation of salvation. If you're in heaven, you're there. You don't need hope. But what will remain in heaven is love for all eternity. That is why... All the pious action in the world without love does not bear fruit. Love will remain. You and I are called to love. You and I are called to love. One last short story. When I was in Seattle... There was a young man we met on the street. His name was D, was his street name. He'd come into our church, had some response to the faith. He was a homeless kid, 24, young black man, and we invited him to come live in our house. We said, it's not good for us to give you the gospel, but then send you back out to the street. You can come live with us. We began the process of helping him get a job, helping him get ID, become a legit citizen again. And during this time, we were doing a lot of outreach to the street kids that were uh, taking place there. And, and, and I asked D one day, I said, hey, what, what do these kids want to do? What would be a blessing for them? What's a fun thing we can do for them? He said, they want to go roller skating. I said, really? <laughs> I said, I'm glad I asked you because I wouldn't have picked roller skating in a million years. So we put together a roller skating and pizza night. We took them out roller skating there. Um, do, you, do you even know what roller skates are? Yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the skate with wheels on both sides, not just the wheels in the middle, right? And uh, when I was a kid, yeah, it was just roller skating. It's just a big circle, and you're going around and around and around, around, shooting the duck and doing, I mean, just, 
roller skating. I mean, it was just so retro. And they're like, yeah, roller skating. So we took him roller skating, and, uh, and we invested regularly, week in and week out, uh, in the kids. We had a Friday night outreach. We'd go and give clothes and food and just hang out and have conversations. And one day I was down after we'd had our pizza and roller skate night, and I was down back on the Ave was the name of the street, the nickname, the Ave. And I was down there, and there was this lady down there, and she was talking to some other kids. And she was saying some good stuff about, hey, you got to get off the street, da-da-da-da, this and that. And, but she, she, was, she wasn't homeless. She was just trying to get kids off the street. So I came down, was listening. After a pause, I introduced myself. So, well, hi, I'm Drake. Sounds like you're saying good stuff. We're down here helping out kids, da-da. So she was interested. Oh, wow, this sounds good. And we talked a little more, and then all of a sudden, I've never experienced this before, and I've never experienced this after. We're talking, and then all of a sudden, in a moment, her demeanor totally changes. And she looks right at me. Are you born again, Christian? I said, um, yeah. And then she says again, are you, are you born again? And I, and I was a little confused. I said, well, um, yeah, there's, no other, uh, there's no other kind of Christian. You can't be Christian and not be born again. And, and then she said again, are you a born again Christian? And, and, and she started to get visibly angry. And so I said, yeah, yes. And the, she launched in to this tirade like I've never seen. So we're out there on the street, and she just starts going, you get away from me. If I ever see you around one of my kids, I'm going to call the police. They're going to be here so fast it's going to make your head spin. My boyfriend's down the street, blah, blah, blah. She's just going on and on and on and started just verbally attacking me. And, uh, and I said, listen, no, we're out here. We're helping these kids. And then she started impugning uh, our motives. You're not here for these kids. You're here for yourself. You just want to make yourself feel good, blah, blah, blah. She's getting louder and louder and louder enough by these kids start kind of, the kids out on the street start coming around and see what the, what the uh, uh, commotion is. And they hear her going on and on. And um, so when she started impugning our character, saying, you're not here for these kids, you're just here for yourself. This one little girl, she's about this tall, you know, was 14 or 15. She was the spunky one on the block. She's like, what? You don't know what you're talking about. No, these people are totally helpless. She's like, listen, little girl, don't make me get on you. She's like, come on, right now. And I was like, oh, stop, stop, stop. So I finally separated them. And then, and then um, she just kept going and going and going. And, uh, and then finally, this kid, D, who we had taken into our church, taken into our home, helped him re-engage with life. He just kind of like parted the waters. He was really quiet. He never said anything. He kind of parted the waters, the crowd there, and came up to her. And he said, you don't know what you're talking about. And then he just unloaded on her. Not in anger, but just with real directness. These people come out here every week, week in and week out. They give us clothes. They give us food. They help us find jobs. Just last week, they took us roller skating and took us to pizza and blah, 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 and went on and on and on. And it kind of made her back up a little bit. And then she turned to him and said, are you a Christian? <laughs> and you can see, he just kind of squared his shoulders. And the loudest profession of faith I'd ever heard, he said, yes, I am. And she was done. And she just right then started dialing her boyfriend like down the street. He's going to come down here and kick your butt. And, uh, and, and he, she's like, these people are hostile. They're going to attack me. And I'm like, what? We're not doing anything. But at the end of the day, when, when Dee stood up to defend us, he didn't go on a long list of doctrinal beliefs, although those are important. 
Those are essential, non-negotiables. What he recounted was how we loved the kids. What we did in a proactive love. Not live and let live. Live and let live would just leave the kids out in the street where they are. Love is the fulfilling of the law. I invite you to examine yourself. Read Corinthians 13 and put your name before every one of those attributes. Drake is patient. Drake is kind. And see how uncomfortable it feels. The Holy Spirit will be really good at pointing out which one of those, ooh, you're never this one. (laughs) And it's a great prayer time, meditation and reflection. And all of those attributes are what God is all the time, and he invites you to be that all the time as well. I invite you to see God's commands not as restrictive, but as invitations to relationship. They presuppose relationship. And he desires our best. But he's made it simple. Love him. Love others. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, I thank you for the patience of everyone here who we've gone long. Draw us into your love, Lord. Help us to be Christians that love for you. Not just live for you, but love for you. It is your love, Lord, that changes our lives and has transformed the world. Help us to be proactive in our love of others. Help us, Lord, to love you, to honor you, to love going to Mass, worshiping you. Help us to see these obligations as invitations to intimacy, not requirements. They are because we are in your family, because we have relationship with you. And help us to love one another. And, Lord, it's always hard. Give us the patience, the grace to reach out to one another. We thank you for all the wonderful things that are taking place this week. Continue it, Holy Spirit. Keep coming. Keep deepening us. Mother Mary, pray for us that we would be faithful to the mission of your Son as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was Professor Drake McAllister with Commandments, Key to Relationship. For more talks from the Immaculate Mission School 2013, visit cradio.org.au.